This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey, parents. Welcome to another edition of the Wonder of Parenting podcast, a brain science approach to parenting. My name is Tim Wright, along with Dr. Michael Gurian. Michael, hello. Hey, hi, Tim. It's good to have you, parents, as we uh, tackle another listener question. This one's a, a bit different, but we think it's going to be helpful uh, as we move throughout the podcast today. I uh, want to encourage you to head on over to wonderofparenting.com, wonderofparenting.com, where you can submit your questions, and we'd be happy to put those in the queue. And also, please check out our sponsors, uh, A Place of Hope, the center up in the uh, Seattle area, up in Edmonds, and uh, we see this every time we get together with you. If you are ever in crisis, that's the first place you want to start. They do such great work, and we appreciate their willingness to support our podcast. Now, uh, the, the question today I don't actually have a written out question because the person who sent this to us was really making sort of an observation, uh, but it did uh, seem to suggest that there's a question buried in there. And uh, so we, we titled this Boys, the Media, and Crickets. And by that, I mean the media tends not to talk a lot about boys' issues or male issues currently. And Michael, in your books, you have discussed uh, what we call the big three, and uh, I'm going to let you just uh, talk on that a bit. But I, I want to dig deep, especially for those who have boys, uh, why the, the media is so quiet on these issues, what it maybe is saying about society, what we need to know about that for our boys. But it also impacts girls and those of us who are raising daughters. So uh, first of all, what, let's start with uh, you redefining what you call the big three. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. So um, the, the big three is media, academics, and government. And um, and in the in saving our sons, if you, if folks want more of this, I've got a whole bunch of sections in saving our sons sons on this, kind of tracking how far back this goes. That that looking at male privation or male deprivation or male issues, um, how, how difficult it is for our society, a- and um, and it's especially difficult. The way that practically manifests itself is that is that the big three academics starts with academics moves to media and government that they kind of set up a framework or a construct that would make it difficult to talk about boys and men um, except in a negative light uh, in other words to talk about boys and men not only in a positive light but to talk about boys and men as needing equity needing um, what everyone else needs and um, so so it started in academe. So should I take like a few minutes to yeah, go, please do. go back? Yeah, please do. Okay, because this might take a few minutes. That's right. Uh, okay. Um, uh, uh, of course, it started back, you know, hundreds of thousands of years ago. And I don't mean that glibly, but for as certainly we know, starting about 5,000 years ago, uh, somewhere between five and 10,000 years ago, there was so much population increase and which led to war. We came out of hunter-gatherer times in which there was really more equity sort of in all for all human beings, but life was very hard. And then, um, you know, once we get agrarian around 10,000 years ago, 
agriculture, etc. Now we get a lot of population growth. And as we get a lot of population growth, we get more war uh, over territories and resources, etc. And as that happened, we gradually developed a cultural framework, which we now call the patriarchy, this cultural framework to manage large population systems. And it was a top-down alpha male oriented system. And, um, and it, we, we've survived and thrived in part because of the patriarchy. Um, and that's its own podcast. But at the same time, um, girls and women, you know, became second class citizens. And, and that could not stand like that, you know, now looking back on it, we all we all would agree, we have to have equity and equality for women and for girls. And, and in those alpha driven warrior cultures, we didn't have a lot of that. And then that came down through the systems and through the Industrial Revolution. By the time we got to Industrial Revolution, we could create economic systems in which we could have equity. And we should have done it earlier, but we certainly could do it once we hit uh, that economic framework in which everyone could be essential to an economy, female, male, everyone. And so we could gradually get equity. And of course, you know, 100 years ago, suffragette movement got women the vote and all sorts of things have happened to bring equity and equality. Now we get to where we are, and I'm gonna say now, but I really mean our present era, which started in the 60s. As we get into the academic components of the early feminist movement, the early feminist movement became um, uh, philosophically more about equality than equity. The word equality was always used. Women's equality was always used. It was used by Susan B. Anthony and everybody. And it's, and it's, it's a good phrase. And we all, I think, know what we mean by that. However, when we get into the early feminist movement, that early feminist movement, and it's it's very much an academic movement that then entered the grassroots and that it kind of cross-pollinated, that, that early feminist movement did some things that are different than what Susan B. Anthony and those folks were doing. Um, that movement said males and patriarchy are the problem. So it isolated this framework, the system called patriarchy, analyzed it sociologically, anthropologically, saw that it existed, saw that the Bible is patriarchal and these sorts of things, all of which I think is, is true. But what it did is it, it, it took that and it said, well, not just that system, but males themselves. So males themselves are the problem. Masculinity itself is the problem. Um, grouped it all together and and decided that the solution was to now on the one hand to keep arguing that males are the problem that as I, as i say my phrase is males are vil villains or victors but not victims so they're the villains which of course all over the media and everywhere you see males as villains or sort of buffoons um or males are the victors in other words they run everything they win every war and and um they're the alpha males so um, but not all males are alpha, right? Only a few males are alpha. And um, uh, not all males are villains. In fact, most males are not villains. They're really good people. Uh, but that early framework of early feminism kind of laid this out. And it laid out that women are victims and that women are victims, um, not just of a system, but women are victims of males. <clears throat> males are villains, women are victims. And um, attached to all of that was the concept that if we really wanted to have equality, we had to remove males. In other words, we had to decide that males, masculinity, 
boys, men, whatever, you know, whatever it was, that, that, that they were basically kind of bad or defective. And as long as it, they existed um, as boys, let's say, girls were going to be victimized. Girls and women would be oppressed. So we had to sort of remove all that. So we had to remove male and female. So we had to move toward androgyny in which there isn't really much of a, you know, much male or female. We're all kind of the same thing or going toward the same thing. And, you know, there isn't really male brain, female brain. That doesn't really exist. Um, uh, because we had to kind of erase males, masculinity, et cetera, in order to bring equality to girls and women. And insidiously, without our realizing it, most of our academic world buys into those concepts. And once the academic world does, um, the uh, so does government and media. So, um, so I, I want to you know say in parentheses and applaud government agencies that, for instance, are not buying into that. That are, you know, like we have we have uh, law was passed to create a commission to study the state of black men and boys. Right. I mean, that's great. So uh, but even there, I want to point out how interesting this is, that this commission was signed into law, passed through the House Senate, signed into law by the president, but not funded. No <laughs> funds for it. It has to be all volunteers who are going to study the state of black you know, boyhood and manhood in America and then are going to, going to give a report once a year on what they see. And this is really typical. Because when the um, White House Commission for Girls and Women was signed into law very early in the Obama administration, it was given tens of millions of dollars, uh, and its and its uh, sub um, its subcontractors were given all this money to spend, uh, but not so with a commission to study boys and men, and also not so even in the Obama administration when, thankfully, they created My Brother's Keeper which was another uh, uh, network to look at black boys and, and black men, what was going on, uh, especially with black boys in our country, which is great. But <clears throat> politically, they couldn't get that funded. So Obama had to go out to corporations and say, well, look, will you fund it? Um, because politically, it's so hard to get it through the government that boys and men need help. Uh, so I think it's this. It started. I think it the early. You know, the early. There are many reasons, and we all would agree on female equality, of course. Many reasons, and then I think now we are seeing the power of a kind of um, uh, now that I look back on it, weird early feminist vision, but it's got incredible power, and um, and it kind of rules the roost, and so it's very hard for us to get attention real attention and funding to help boys and men. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? 
Alright, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Uh, our country does not seem to be a country of nuance. So you're, you're either all the way for this or you're, and you're all the way against that or whatever it might be, but we can never seem to meet in the middle. And um, we, we always have overreactions to things, and so the pendulum always just swings way over one side and then way over to the other. And that seems to be one of these issues where we, we know, I think all of us who are uh, people with good hearts, we know that our daughters have not always been treated equally to boys. Um, but that, that the, the story is not found just in saying that all guys are bad. Uh, what does a, what does this storyline that masculinity is toxic, uh, boys are bad that we hear in the media, what does that do to the psyche of our boys? Even if it's just subconsciously, what are they hearing from media right now? Yeah, that, that you're, that's a big thing to talk about. It's hard to track. And so it doesn't get enough measure, I don't think, um, this the effect of spending so many decades denigrating males, you know, um, how do you track that? Like, how does that affect an individual boy, individual boy? How do you track it? Hard to track. But um, we all can see it. We can see the purpose, the purposelessness in our young guys. We can see guys trying to to develop a masculine code you know, which is, and masculinity is, by the way, of course, a very positive thing. We've talked about that. Um, masculinity is very positive. It's about honor. It's about sense of enterprise. It's about caring for your family, you know. Well, so much denigration of even trying to get that, that males aren't taught that. And um, and so some of their sense of purpose just doesn't develop in them. And, um, and you know, to some extent, they just will re- rebel against all the images of boys being either villains or being stupid, you know, and they'll rebel against that and they'll go do things that are high risk uh, to show they're a, a man. And that's not really what we want for them. We don't want them to do these incredibly high risk things that put them in prison, but they haven't gotten the development from their culture that we need. And one of the reasons that in my work, I stopped delineating nature and nurture and I, as the only two primary elements, I started delineating nature, nurture, and culture. And the, the reason I do that, and I do that in like all my talks and all of my work and our Korean Institute trainers also do it. We talk about nature, nurture, and culture because in the last 50 years, especially, our culture has become so strong an influence on child development that we, of course, our nature comes first, our genetic code, who we are, that comes first. And then and next comes nurture. It comes your 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 mom, your dad, or or however your family is constellated. You know your attachment figures, um, and then extended family. All of that is is nurtured there. You know, and then it becomes coaches, teachers, could be counselors. So the people who are intimate with you, who nurture you, that's nurture. So you start out with nature, then nurture, but now we have culture, and culture is so huge, and especially because of media that boys can have this positive nature, let's say, which they do, and then they can be nurtured well, but they can they enter a culture that is so male-hating that it can have a profound influence that can, to some extent, override 
nurture and nature and 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 they go do these terrible things that then feeds the cycle because then you know the big three says well look look at these boys look at the look at men they do these bad things they're bad and of course it's a vicious circle uh so i i think at one end you find males being withdrawn and more depressed because they're not getting from culture the signals they need about how to be good men um so so they withdraw and on the other hand i think you see them becoming you know hyper aggressive and violent and doing high risk bad things uh so it's kind of fight or flight i mean that's often what males do when faced with something that's overwhelming they withdraw or they fight and some of the bad stuff males are doing now is fight it's fight mode it's a survival fight mode against the fact that they simply have not been nurtured by culture or by their systems whether it's schools counselors, wherever it is, their systems don't understand them as males, don't know how to help them as males. Those systems are underfunded to help them as males and uh, don't provide them with what they need. And uh, I think our culture is to a great extent, as you've identified, not providing them with what they need. It's just kind of battering them or underserving them. So usually during our podcast, we try to get specific with parenting questions, but these overarching issues really do feed into the whole parenting experience of of how culture is is explaining to us what our boys should look like or our girls should look like and that's why we're we're doing this big broad stroke today uh, to get a sense of some of the influences out there that do impact our boys or even the way we see our boys um, I think back it was a few years ago now uh, I was watching CNN news and you know they're not the bastion of conservatism so uh, I think there are some who would say they, they lean liberal. I tend to watch them because I think they're probably in the middle between Fox and MSNBC. But regardless, they ran a story about this whole thing about wages and equality and wages. And the, the usual storyline is that women make uh, 80 cents for every dollar that, that men make. And CNN came out with a story that said, you know, there's new studies that say that actually when you compare jobs to jobs and you compare risk and all that, that there's hardly a pay gap at all. And I heard the story reported once, and then it just disappeared. I never heard it again. Right. Uh, even though I know it's there, you find it, it's there. Is that kind of an example of uh, the media saying, uh, that doesn't really fit the storyline we want to perpetuate? Of course, that's assuming that the media has a storyline they want to perpetuate rather than just telling us the news. Uh, but do you see that often, where there's certain information that, that just doesn't get presented, uh, it's ignored, and other things are put in front of it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a there's a narrative line, the the wage pay gap. <clears throat> that's a narrative line, and and it's very hard for any of the, of the you know, left-leaning media because all media, you know, media right now is not really giving news. It's it's agenda driven. It's ideology driven. Um, we've had a switch in the last, you know, 20, 25 years. Yep. So it's quite reasonable to say, to, I think, to say CNN and MSNBC are left, Fox and and uh, Fox Business are right. I think that's fair enough to say. And uh, because I think the evidence would bear that out. So so when you're on something like Fox or MSNBC, the ideological line is that that there's this wage pay gap, and um, and it is correct. However, that story that came off for a few minute few minutes, like you described, that is correct. That actually, there isn't 
Um, and by the way, I go in much more detail on this in Saving Our Sons, folks. So I'm going to cut this down to like one minute. Um, because for a lot of people listening to this, they'll say, what? Of course there's a pay gap. The pay gap is an aggregate gap. And, and when you see an article saying 80 cents on the dollar or 72 cents a dollar, or you see a headline like that, um, it's, it's a fallacious headline. It, it's, it's taking an aggregate gap and, um, uh, and it's saying that it's an equal pay gap. So I'll do this in 60 seconds. The, in the aggregate, women make less money than men in the aggregate. And the primary reasons for that, you've described one of them is they don't take, tend to take jobs where there's higher risk. Um, so they don't climb to the top of skyscrapers and get paid $100,000 to do that. They become, they tend in the aggregate to become teachers who get paid less than that. And, and that in itself is an issue that we should face as a society, how little we pay daycare providers who are almost all women, right? I, I, I really think we pay them too little. But in terms of the money, the um, um, men in the aggregate make more money this, another reason they make more money is they don't tend to take five to 10 years off of full-time work. Whereas the majority of American women are trying to either stay at home once they have kids for a period of time, or most can't stay at home, uh, or work part-time. That That's 35 to 40% uh, will work part-time. So of course they will earn less money. Um, so in the, when you look at the aggregate money, men make more money and they do make about, you know, for every $1 a, a man makes in the aggregate, uh, a woman, a typical woman in the U.S. in the aggregate is making uh, somewhere around 80 to 85 cents, right? But that's aggregate, and it's based on the choices she made. And it also takes out community property. The other problem with that statistic, one, another reason it's fallacious, is that um, most women whose, whose finances would go into that figure, they are married and they're involved in community property. So the money the man is earning that is getting put through that statistical array as male money, it's not really male money, it's community property money. And she gets half of that money. So once you put that half in there, then you also find that the gap disappears. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So, so when you see the headline, folks, you see the headline, it's, it's put out there for good reasons. Everyone wants equality for women, which we all agree on. We all want equality for women, right? But, um, but it is fallacious. And the reason it survives, I think, the headline survives and is used so much by political candidates is that it's, it's, it ends up being anti-male, right? Because who's the villain in this? <laughs> and when people sit back and go, well, look, there isn't equal pay for women. But men get it. 
So what it does is it says, well, men are villains, men run the systems and they're villains. And it also says to the society, men don't need stuff. They have it already. Men don't need money. They don't need financial help. They don't need social programs. They have it already. It's women who don't make money who need it. And that then creates this war between women and men, what we call mm -hmm. the gender war. And these headlines continue the gender war, right? And then when, when for three minutes, someone else comes out, myself or Warren Farrell or CNN did it for three minutes or, or Mark Perry or Christina Hoff Summers. I mean, there's a number of us who are sort of nationally known who are saying, well, wait a minute, you know, that's not exactly true. Um, uh, you know, it only lasts a few minutes and it doesn't get much play because the narrative has to be in order, you know, the media and the big three, I think, have decided that for for social justice to occur, we have to sort of tell these lies. And this is one of the lies. Another one of the lies that did the same thing that made men into bad guys and said men don't need help was the headline for one in five American American college students are sexually assaulted. One in five females, women, uh, college students are sexually assaulted while they're in college. Okay, false statistic, you know, no bearing on reality. In fact, the number is around one in a thousand. And then, you know, you would say, okay, look, one in a thousand is too much. And that's true. We would like it to be zero. But there's a big difference between one in a thousand and one in five. But mm -hmm. the one in five um, took hold and created terms like rape culture, et cetera. So, so then we're trying to deal with that and we're saying, okay, wait a minute, most guys are not rapists. In fact, most college women are quite safe um, and uh, men need, do need a lot of help. A lot of bad things happen to men. They need help too, you know, it's not just women, right? If you say any of that stuff, um, uh, then you're cast in a certain negative light by the media or by whoever, you're, you're a zealot or you hate women or whatever it is, you know. And when in fact, what, you're do, what we're trying to do is we're trying to bring equity. We're, we're trying to say in a society, women and men both need help. Girls and boys both need help. We need to spend our money helping both. We need to have social programs that help both. Social justice requires us to help both. Um, uh, so so I, think, I think that's another example of what you were talking about, that rape culture thing. Yeah, that and and of course we always hear the statistics about you know the number of men in Fortune 500 uh, positions versus women, um, but what we never hear about is the number of men who are at the bottom of the uh, social ladder, uh, the social economic ladder, where there are far more men than women who are who bottomed out, or, or don't have what they need to survive. And, and so it, I, if I remember right, men sort of uh, are at the top and at the very bottom, <laughs> but That's right. w women tend to, to be in the middle. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, males definitely uh, top and bottom. And that even shows up with boys in school where you have, where you have the, a few of these genius males yeah. um, tend to have more genius males than females. And that's its own topic we can talk about, about the brain as well as nurture and culture. There's all sorts of elements there, but you have more genius males and then you have more failing males. Uh, so the A's and the F's tend to be males. Um, uh, no, the geniuses and the F's tend to be males. Mm -hmm. uh, but the in schools, A, B, C's, A and B especially tend to be more female. B, C, D, F tend to be more male. Um, uh, so geniuses, yes, and then failing, yes. And when you think about employment, this is a really interesting one. Um, in the US pre-COVID, so we're not taking into account the COVID unemployment, 
Pre-COVID, we had around 9 million American males who had stopped looking for work, could just could not find work and stopped looking for work. They don't get counted in the unemployment statistics. There are also actually, there were like two or three million females who had stopped looking for work, but those stats are done differently. One, a lot of those females were, being, were doing stay at home. Um, then we have to bracket into the welfare system. That's its own bracket. Uh, um, uh, and a lot of females are working part-time. So they wouldn't, even though they're not making much money, they were working part-time. So their numbers didn't reach the 9 million for the males. And there are a lot of reasons the males stop looking for work. Some is laziness, et cetera. We can certainly judge anything, but a lot of the reason they stopped looking for work is they're just, we're not jobs for these guys. They stopped looking for work. And so they didn't get counted. Uh, in the unemployment stats. So the unemployment stats looked really great pre-COVID, right? It looked like we only had two to 3% unemployment. But then we would wonder, why isn't our economy great? Like the stock market was great pre-COVID, yes. But why all these people who can barely get by? What is that about? Um, that's where you see so many men underserved. And when men are underserved, that means their families are underserved. Mm -hmm. You know, if you have a male who has stopped looking for work, cannot find a job, has tried for a year, has tried for two years, it's, you know, he's also got a family. And that puts a significant stress on the family. So failing males, not only fail, they fail themselves, and not only does the society fail them, but it fails their families. And it's another reason that we have got to you know, really get people reoriented toward the fact that yes, women struggle and girls struggle. Yes. And equally so boys and men struggle. Um, but it's the male struggle we don't track. And when we don't track it, it has these consequences for daughters, for sons. You know, you get men who have stopped looking for work. Very often divorce occurs and then they're distant from their children. Then their children don't have fathers and that's its own cascade. Um, uh, of issues, or you mass incarcerate males, uh, especially uh, black and brown males, and you mass incarcerate them, they cannot father their children, more likely for then their children to become violent, um, or at least to fail. And then, then they're incarcerated. So all of these things create cycles. Um, and the origin of the, the cycle, there are a lot of origins of the cycle, but the origin we're talking about today is we don't talk about uh, males who need help. And once we start talking about it, to tell you the truth, we'll start overwhelming our system because we'll go, okay, we got those 9 million. Then look at this 20 million over here. Then look at this 10 million over here, you know, hmm. and then, and then we'll say, oh my gosh, we maybe have 50 million males in the U S underserved. Hmm. Now, what do we do? And of course right. that's going to be overwhelming, Yeah, but we got to look at it. We do. And, and, um, you know, th this is we're talking about these things because it does impact uh, impact our boys. It impacts the way that we parent our boys, recognizing that there are some of these uh, storylines that they're growing up under. But you mentioned it. Um, if we don't serve our boys and our men well, it has a detrimental impact on our daughters and on our uh, the women in our community as well. Because men who are Driftless men who are aimless, who've lost their purpose, their passion, uh, they end up hurting society in a variety of ways, not just violently, but as you said, they, they don't have access to their, their children, 
they don't uh, they don't bring important masculine energy to our community. So this isn't an issue just about boys. This is how it impacts all of our culture. Did I lose you? Oh, I must have lost you. So I, I just summarized everything that Michael was saying. I don't hear him. Maybe you all do, but I don't hear him at this point. And so uh, it could be that his, his mic just dropped off. Uh, but nonetheless, you had a chance to hear Michael, and uh, it's good stuff. Check out Saving Our Sons by Michael Gurian or The Minds of Girls. And uh, both of those books deal with these issues from a global perspective and then very practical. Hey, we thank you for listening in. We hope that you'll have a great week and join us again next time for the Wonder of Parenting podcast. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.